Hosanna really actually isn't uh, hip hip hooray, it's a save us. That's what that word means. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. This week on Scripture First, Adam Curie and I talked to Luther House of Studies co-director, Dr. Chris Krogan, about this week's lectionary text, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. This week's text marks the beginning of Holy Week, when Jesus enters Jerusalem and what ultimately leads up to his crucifixion and resurrection. In this week's conversation, you'll hear Adam Curie and I ask Dr. Krogan questions like, Why is the gospel writer using so much description? How is the whole world, including us, implicated in killing Jesus? And what does it mean that Jesus has mercy on us? A quick note before we get into this week's text and conversation, we practice social distancing this week while recording this episode, so you may notice our audio sounds a little bit different than the studio we typically record in. But without further ado, here's Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest heaven! When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And now, on to this week's conversation. All right, everybody, welcome back to Scripture First. This is our first ever episode where we are practicing social distancing. We're all recording on our own uh, separate studios here, so it might sound a little bit different than our typical studio that we record in the same room. We're trying to be really good at the law here. (laughs) And wear our pajamas. Yep. I don't reveal those kind of things, Kiri. (laughs) <laughs> we are working with zoom but we do have cameras so we're, we're making sure everybody is still good at the law even before we <laughs> try to be righteous before the law before we walk into holy week this week exactly that's why we're here so yeah we got we got holy week coming up uh it's palm passion sunday formerly known as just palm sunday chris before we started uh recording you kind of explained 
how, uh, why that was uh, changed. Could you uh, recap that a little bit for our audience before we dive into the today's text? Yeah. Um, people that are a little bit older than maybe you guys, uh, recognize that this as Palm Sunday traditionally. And uh, the text that we're working with today is going to be that entrance into Jerusalem, the Palm Sunday text. But nowadays, the way the Revised Common Lectionary has it, they have both it as Palm and Passion, where you read the Palm as the processional gospel, Palm text, which is what we're going to work on today. And then they have the Passion text, which is the trial before um, Pilate and the chief priests and stuff and Jesus going to the cross. That kind of got switched because a lot of people weren't hearing that same passion text because not everybody does Good Friday. So that's the traditional way. But we're going to just work today with the Palm Sunday text. Nice. Well, to start us off, uh, the passage before this is where Jesus heals two blind men, correct? Right. Yep. And so Jesus, right before this, Jesus heals two blind men. And this is kind of an interesting thing because he had healed two blind men earlier in the Gospel of Matthew and told people not to say anything. Don't tell anybody, the blind men in particular. And this time he doesn't say that. And he had been saying that often of, Shh, not, I'm not ready yet. Don't tell anybody about this. But this time he doesn't say that. And it's right prior to his entry into Jerusalem. And so we can see here that uh, Jesus is now recognizing that it's time, his time has arrived, which is him going to Jerusalem. And there's an interesting thing. He is now fulfilling the prophecy in Isaiah 35, that the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And so this is an interesting um, move now, Jesus walking right after healing blind men into Jerusalem. So why, I mean, before we get going, why is that such a, a pivot? Before this, he was very secrecy, had a lot of secrecy behind why he wanted to do all this. He told a lot of people, don't tell people about him. Why is he comfortable now being named as king? Well, he's not necessarily comfortable with being named as king, but he does recognize that such a title as we're going to walk through here is actually going to be the title that ends up getting him killed. And so now Jesus is going to start fulfilling this prophecy that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ that's come. And he, so he walks in and he's going to now start to do the final work that he was meant to do, which is actually come under the accusation and sin of the world and be crucified to it. And so this is why it's an important day to start the Holy Week, is this is where Jesus starts now fully taking on all of the accusations and the sin of the world as he walks in. So he walks up, gets to the edge of Jerusalem, as we see here at Bethpage, and the, the narrative starts, and he starts showing the different things that had been prophesied and now he's fulfilling. And so that's an important piece. Hey, yeah. I just, oh, you Adam, you me. can go. Okay. Oh, I, I, I. <laughs> <laughs> this video thing is fun. <laughs> um, I just have a real quick clarification question on location. Um, Krogan, you were mentioning that um, this gospel reading takes place near Jerusalem. My question for you is, is there a significance with this whole, um, with this whole passage taking place at the Mount of Olives, or is that just coincidence? I know it's brought up a lot in scripture. Um, I don't know much about it. Yeah, so there's a number of different um, significant markers, shall we say, 
in this text. We're going to talk about the Mount of Olives, which is one place that the Old Testament had recognized. It's significant because it's where Jesus um, is going to stand in Matthew 24. But it was prophesied that it was at the Mount of Olives that um, that the Messiah would be found. And so that would, when Jesus comes, when the Messiah Christ comes, he would be standing on the Mount of Olives at the end of time. And so then in Matthew 24, when he sits on the Mount of Olives and he laments Jerusalem and predicts the destruction of the temple, this is exactly what's happening is Jesus kind of showing that the prophecies that were before are being fulfilled. Yeah, and I, I guess what I was going to say, uh, Dr. Krogan, is I'm looking at Matthew 20 uh, to just kind of go back a little bit to the two blind men. I just want to read the last uh, two verses because they uh, Christ says to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. And right after that verse is where we pick up now. And so I, you get the impression that Jesus is coming. And then are these two disciples in the, the first verse, the, the blind men that, that Christ has just healed? I, I mean, can we say that? No, no I don't but, think you'd say that. These are just two of his probably 12 disciples. Sure. So I don't think they're the blind men. All right. So once, um, hopping into the text a little bit more, once Jesus is in Jerusalem, it starts to depict some of the things that are going on. I'm not going to go in order here, but when Jesus is talking to his disciples, um, it's this whole thing is starting to unfold. Um, the people are starting to gather. They're starting to spread their cloaks on the road, cut branches from the trees. Why are they using so much description in this passage? Is the, We've seen it before. I know I've mentioned it in previous gospel, um, in previous weeks. Yeah, so like, for instance, the first one is, is this whole idea that um, um, riding in on a donkey in a colt. And so this is fulfilling a prophecy, Zechariah 9. And so Jesus is um, fulfilling all kinds of prophecies. And so you'll see all sorts of different ones um, that are throughout this text. That prophecy is specifically laid out in verse 5 in the text itself. Tell the daughter of Zion, look, your king is coming, humble and mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So that is one of the prophecies that's obviously explicit that Matthew lays out, but also the prophecy of the cutting branches and laying down cloaks. This is also um, kind of mirroring what happened with Jehu when he, his inauguration and in second Kings and he comes in and there's an interesting thing about Jehu when he comes in, there was a lot of turmoil at his inauguration. A lot of blood is shed because of him becoming King. And so as this kind of lays forth, Jesus himself is going to uh, kind of be working within that same line of this is not necessarily a happy and exciting moment in time, but it's actually a tremendous amount of violence and death that happens just like it happened at Jehu when he was brought into being a king. Which is, which is what you, uh, I guess it's what, it's unexpected in some degree because you, you actually think, or at least I would think that if uh, the son of man, the son of David was coming, uh, 
A, he's not riding on a donkey, and B, it's not turmoil, but you're, there's gladness. Uh, and there is clearly gladness here. They're saying Hosanna. Uh, and the, but to go farther, I mean, in the 10th verse, you see the whole city was in turmoil asking, who is this? Uh, so there is, I think you're hitting it, Dr. Krogan, there is a sense that uh, it's not into peace he's entered. Yeah, it's kind of an irony um, for us in our traditions in uh, modern day church is that we have a bunch of kids usually on this Sunday with a bunch of palm branches walking up and down the aisles and people waving them and everybody's having fun and a good time. It often gets set up like, you know, this, what a great day. What a great day. Jesus walking to Jerusalem. That's probably not exactly as uh, um, it was playing out on that day. It was actually quite tumultuous. It was kind of, you know, scary for some people. Some people were seeing Jesus coming in and the expectation that he was going to be the Messiah. Hosanna really actually isn't uh, hip, hip, hooray. It's a save us. That's what that word means. And so in some ways, it can be kind of a desperation plea and not just, hey, this is great. And so um, all glory, laud, and honor um, is true only after the cross, though. But all this is going to take place so as to set up what's going to finally happen in the cross. And so when we're talking about Jesus as coming in as king, we're going to talk about that he's going to be a king that is not one that brings swords, not one that brings power, not one that works with governing by the law. Jesus is actually going to be a Lord because he's going to actually subject everyone unto his mercy. They're going to, he's going to put them under him in mercy, which is what makes him Lord. But the interesting thing is what makes you under the mercy of Jesus? It's going to be that you actually contributed to his crucifixion. And that's part parcel to what's going on in this text. Um, my question, the group of people that are here when Jesus is coming into, coming into Jerusalem, is this the same group or are some of these maybe, is this the same community of people that are also present when Jesus is crucified? Or oh, when yeah. he's on the road. For sure. I mean, all of Jerusalem is going to be implicated in Jesus' death. In fact, okay. the whole world. There's not going to be anybody that's going to stand up for him. And that's the part of this entering into the Holy Week. Is It would seem that there are some people that are ready to stand up and go to bat for Jesus, so to speak. Yeah. And they're going to claim, Hosanna, look, here's the Son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is, this is our day to be saved. Here's our king. But that very title of king, which we'll see um, when he is being praised, is the title that is actually going to be put over his head on the cross, king of the Jews. So that's the very accusation that gets him killed. And so people are going to be praising this king when they think maybe he's going to work to their advantage. But then as he doesn't uh, bring in the law to people's advantage, then people start to flee and they start to betray. And they are all going to be implicated. In fact, the whole world is going to be implicated during this. Can you, can you explain that, Dr. Krogan, how it is that the world, the whole world can be implicated in this? Because one could read this and think uh, this is an ancient text. Uh, it has nothing to do with me. Um, it's, I'm not implicated in this. Um, but you're saying something different, it sounds like. Yeah, well, the reason I'm saying something different is most of us would actually like to have a king or a person or a God who is going to work toward our personal and material advantage. 
And in fact, in times like these, we would hope that God would preserve us from death. But this is actually what Jesus is going to do when he walks through Jerusalem. And right after this text, he goes in and starts overturning the tables in the temple, the money changers, and starts having a fight and a criticism with those who are really religious, who thought God was going to be to their advantage in the law. And so as Jesus starts to show that the law isn't to your advantage, that God isn't there to make you better, but actually Jesus shows that what has to happen is you go through death in order to be made new and not preserved from death. And so even in a time like this, we might get frustrated, angry, um, hurt, thinking that death is our destiny, which is why people betrayed him. They thought, I'm not going to go with this man to the cross. He's been implicated as a criminal, even justly or not. So the rest of us are the same way. We don't like necessarily how God becomes our Lord, which is actually making us under his mercy and not making us in control through the law. I guess that's one of the things that's so interesting about this text, but just the context of how quick of a turnaround it is from this text to the text that we, if people go to Good Friday, that they will read on Good Friday, um, is exactly what you said, as well as just, I mean, the reality of being sinners and all of us being sinners. And like when I put myself in that position, how honestly horrible it feels to. I don't know, to say I would have been, um, I probably would have been here cheering on Jesus and, and I probably would have been there when he's going to the cross. And even if I didn't understand what was going on, I probably would have been, you know, group thinking and yelling. Yeah. It's just, weird. Just, just think of what it's like then during the Holy Week as we walk through this and you get to Monday Thursday and the disciples are sitting around um, celebrating the Passover with Jesus, and they aren't expecting this all to go bad. They're just having a dinner. They're just having a nice dinner. And then Jesus starts to lay out what is going to happen. And so even those, you know, so it's not a surprise that, that the disciples are maybe even excited and happy about, ha, ah, we're going to Jerusalem and something big is going to go down. And we're going to finally have people recognize us for who we really are and our positions in life, and our status, and what we've been doing, and we've been walking around with Jesus for these three years, and, and people haven't liked it, but now we're going in, and we're making a name for ourselves, and the disciples were even oblivious to what was finally going to play out, and then when they start to see how it's going to play out, that Jesus is going to have them under his mercy, again, when we say under his mercy, it's not that he's making a power play with a sword, or or with a fist, but under his mercy means you're going to have to be forgiven by him. He's going to have to have mercy on you, which is why he ends up being your Lord, not because he, he's a strong arm, but because he actually forgives you. And so everybody has to finally be what you're saying, Kiri, subject to the accusation of sinner for Jesus to be their Lord. Yeah, it even says like, look, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey. It, I mean, the, the word humble is separated by commas. It is emphasized. And mm -hmm. it's not like the former kings of Israel, Saul or Solomon coming in with power and armies and swords. It's, it's humble. It's humble, right? Meek, 
someone who is, you know, not um, there, you know, um, doing a happy dance, but just kind of waiting for it all to play out. One of the things that I found really interesting about this passage was when Jesus sent two disciples a saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, the Lord needs them. I just find that to be what a, what a, what a cop out. You could say that about anything. The Lord needs them. I'm taking these, these, these animals. These are mine now. The Lord needs them. Right. Yeah, there's, there's significant to this verse, and that's what we've talked about in other passages that we've worked with, is that um, Jesus sends two disciples with his words in their mouth. And so when you are repeating what Jesus sends you to say, then it actually happens. And so that's why he says, you just say that the Lord told you to say this, which is the Lord needs them. And immediately it happens. So this goes back to our understanding that when God speaks, immediately it happens. Let there be light, and immediately there was light. Lazarus come out, and immediately Lazarus came out. He told the disciples, come follow me. And it says immediately they dropped everything and followed him. So this is the same thing now for us today. When our Lord Jesus puts something into our mouth to speak, such as, in the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ forgives you all your sins. Immediately, it's done. Immediately. So this is the key piece, is that Jesus continues to speak his truth and his power into the world. And that's kind of what's happening here. The fulfillment of this prophecy in Zechariah is the Lord speaking. And that can come from mouths of people who aren't ordained pastors and priests, correct? It comes from all of his disciples who he gave the Great Commission to, which is going to happen here at the end of Matthew. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them what I've taught you. And so, so that, anybody. Okay. The reason I'm wondering, you know, I'm right now, I don't want to talk too much about it, but, you know, Within this whole coronavirus, COVID-19 thing, there's a lot of panic. And so it's been really interesting to see the different people. Um, a few, one episode ago, we talked with Dr. Paulson about just God's mercy, God's grace in this time, and how much of a needed relief it is and breath of fresh air it is to hear even your neighbor, not even a pastor in a church who you have to watch online, but an, your neighbor or your coworker come and say something as simple yet as necessary as this, you know, God this is, is for you. yeah, God yep. is greater than everything that's going on right now. Yep. Yep. Not a hair on your head will be harmed that, uh, that Jesus, as we hear in Paul, that neither death nor anything will separate you from power and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And these are words that you have now that you get to speak to people when they are caught and bound in fear. And when they're thinking they need a king of a strong arm, as opposed to a Lord who's going to have mercy. So we see in this, uh, this passage, Chris, a couple different titles that Jesus uh, is called. He's called uh, your king. He's called the son of David. Uh, and the final, final line, the crowd says, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Can you talk about the significance of why, Matthew put them there or what the significance they are to 
to Jesus in our understanding in this uh, context? Yeah, again, a lot of this is the fulfillment of the prophecies. So the king piece, as we've talked about a little bit, was from Zechariah 9. But then the son of David, obviously, is also out of the stump of Jesse. Um, this is the lineage. And so when Jesus comes out of that lineage, which was a prophecy that the Messiah would come out of the son, would be a son of David coming out of the stump of Jesse. Um, so these are all, again, pieces so that when Jesus comes walking into Jerusalem, it's not like it's a mistake or it's not like it's a fluke. It's not like God hadn't said, this is the way I'm going to do it. It is exactly God saying, I'm doing this. Now, the crowd saying, this is a prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. Interestingly enough, most prophets end in a pretty seriously ugly death. And so, um, which is what Jesus is going to say when he laments Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets. And so, but Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is going to be something much bigger than a prophet. He is going to be the Messiah, the Christ. That's scary. <laughs> Um, to think about, you know, saying I'm, a, you know, I'm a prophet of Jesus and I'm, pro you know, I'm, I might end up the way John the Baptist did. Like, that's not fun to think about. But at the same time, it is nice having that word in my ear of promise from Jesus Christ. Yeah, the important thing to recognize now as we enter Holy Week is that, interestingly enough, and this is one of our Lutheran teachings that really at first is hard to get your head around, but once it lands in your conscience, it is the most delicious teaching that we have. Namely, which is Jesus uses your sin to save you. He actually forces you to sin against him so that he can deliver the very thing he came to deliver, which is, is his mercy, his forgiveness, his life, his salvation. If you weren't implicated as sinning against Jesus, you actually don't need his forgiveness. And so this is the beginning of that text of him walking into Jerusalem and coming under the full force of the world, the law, sin, death, and the devil. And as he walks in and does this, then he actually is going to become Lord as you end up being caught as sinner and then he will use that very sin to save you and that's the hosanna save us lord and on that note we've reached the end of this week's episode my friends thank you to dr chris krogan for explaining the incredible truth that jesus uses our sin to save us we hope this conversation provides context to palm sunday as we all enter Holy Week this week. Before we go, it'd mean a lot to all of us at Luther House of Study if you'd like our Facebook page. We want to know who's listening to the show and what better way to do that than use social media to be social. A big thank you to everyone who's been engaging with us there already, and we look forward to hearing from all of you who listen to these episodes as you talk about the passages with your friends, family, and congregations. Thanks again for joining us this week, and we'll see you next time on Scripture First.